0: Wild courage exists to galvanize a generation of men, with the tools and courage to fight for what matters most, and tell the stories that are born in the redemption of lives and souls. Hey guys, welcome back or to the Wild Courage podcast. Today I am sitting on the second floor of the motel in Weatherford, Texas, with my brother and good friend Randy Quateri. Hmm. Thanks for having me, dude. It's been too long. I know, way too long. We met in Texas in Graham, Texas. What did we figure out? Like three and a half years yeah, ago. It's been about three and a half years at the. Retreat and at
1: Wildcatter. Yeah. Jason and Chris Valaton and
0: Todd Pierce. Yep. I knew Todd back when I used to try to be a bareback rider. I mostly knew because when I'd see him up in the draws, like, damn it. <laughs> so I'm going for second. <laughs> yeah. He's he's that a special dude, dude. He, yeah. He could spur one down too. You didn't know him back in those days, but dude. You can imagine.
1: Yeah. I grew, um, growing up in New Mexico, a bunch of guys that helped me start riding bulls, they they knew Todd. They actually rodeoed. um, And so they're just like, yeah, we know Todd. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, He'd spur one down. Yeah. When I met Todd, it was actually through Rob. They had a mutual friend. And we were all hanging out one weekend. um, And Todd was off the road, and I was just going to the little local open rodeo in Jackson Hole um every Wednesday and Saturday night and up where they were living, Todd came over and we were we had a big party and the next day he's like, Hey, let's go water ski. I'm like, Okay, sweet. And what he meant by water ski was there were some dikes that ran out in the lake and he got he went and got some horses. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I I'd like to say we, but Todd <laughs> skied behind the horse, running down the yeah. dike on the edge of the lake. And I was like, that was my introduction yeah. to Todd Pearson. I'm yeah. like, this is a wild man.
1: Yeah.
0: I, was, I, was, I couldn't get up because I'm way too big. I'm way too big to yeah. ride bucking horses too, but Todd just popped up. And mm-hmm. yeah, that was how I met Todd. Yeah,
1: he's a machine.
0: Yeah. That guy. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. So I remember the day that I met you, we were walking... And at the Wildcatter, we were walking up this hill to go throw hatchets at something or build yeah. a fire or something in this competition. And I could tell you were a kaboy And I was like, <laughs> kind of gravitated towards yeah. you. Because you had starched jeans on. And I was like, <laughs> he's my people. <laughs> yeah. And that's when we just started kind of visiting and talking then. Mm-hmm. And then we have got to do some cool things since then yeah. together. but. We got to go to prison together once. Mm -hmm. That was fun. Yeah.
1: Went to prison, went to dead man's up at Rob's. Yep. Spent some time together. It's been good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're one of those guys that if we lived closer together, I I mean, we would be doing life together like on the, on the daily Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. That'd be fun. It would be. You just need to move down to Texas now. I know. I, I think the, the percentage of that happening is about as high as you move into Idaho. <laughs> I know I, uh, Todd
1: keeps telling me to, he's like, there's some property up here in Idaho. I was like, we're, we're not getting Victoria
0: out of Texas.
1: You marry a Texas girl. You, you just, you're staying
0: in Texas. Yeah. That family yeah. means a lot yeah, down here. Yeah.
1: Super loyal. And uh, I'm okay with that. I've, I've come to the conclusion that I'm home wherever I'm at. And I, I don't want to just live that life of just being like, oh, I wish I lived there. I wish I lived Wishing here. Wishing your life away. Yeah, I just want to be okay with where I'm at. And it bothered me for a long time because the only reason why I moved to Texas was to ride bulls. Um, and my plan wasn't to stay
0: ever, but hey, we're here now. So. I know a lot of New Mexico guys that ended up in Texas, though. Yeah. Um. So you grew up in New Mexico. Yeah,
1: I was born in Santa Fe, in nineteen eighty
0: eight. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm a young blood. Wow. Yeah, I was. I think I could buy Copenhagen when you were old. I, well, I started dipping Copenhagen
1: probably nineteen ninety three. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was. It was cool, and you know, I didn't. You know come from a western background i guess my dad rode bulls and everything but never really pursued it
0: um far enough for but he was was he done riding bulls by the time you were um
1: he had got on a couple times when
0: i was young but but you don't remember it no i
1: have no i he he has a couple vhs tapes that i i used to watch and i'll be like oh man that's cool yeah but you know i i pretty much grew up on the concrete you know i um skateboarded most of my childhood and played basketball and snowboarded. I was big in snowboarding and, um, anything sports related. I was, I was involved. I mean, it could be tennis, it could be baseball,
0: swimming. I just wanted to do it. Are you because you're competitive?
1: Yeah. Very competitive. And I just, um, I just loved the
0: competition and I, doesn't no matter yeah. if it's ping pong or. Mm-mm,
1: don't matter. I just, I always
0: wanted to win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when did, how did you, other than the little seed was planted, right? Like, which I think that's how all little boys are. Mm-hmm. It's like if dad did something heroic, even if it yeah. was before our time, I think as little boys or young men, we're always drawn back to that thing. Mm-hmm. Because there I think there's just something about like, us needing approval of our fathers. And this is all subconscious, right? Like we have no idea when you're nine Mm -hmm. and you're like, why do I, why am I drawn to this thing? Yeah. And it's like, maybe if I can get good. And as we get older, it's like, well, what if I became better than him at this one thing, (laughs) then maybe the approval would be better, different. I don't know, but I think I I just see this pattern so much. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, I begged my dad to let me get on, um, Bulls forever. I mean, I was young, and he let me get on some sheep. I went to, I won my first buckle in Española, New Mexico, in 1994. Come on, uh, and I was pumped. Uh, You're hooked, yeah. And I was like, this is awesome. I want to do this. And I had my dad's old gear bag, and I remember did you I'd, play with it all the time? Oh yeah, and I was I had a bull riding glove that Tanner Trujillo gave me, and I'd just I'd sleep in this bull riding glove. It was black and red, looked just like Lane Frost like glove, and I was like, man, this is. This feels right. <laughs> and, uh, my dad just, you know, would never, he was like, yeah, we'll wait, we'll wait. And I think him hoping that I'll just lose interest. And, you know, years had gone by and, uh, I'm still begging him, but he took, I remember when it really set it off, he took me to a BRO in Albuquerque and it was just me and him. It was the day before my birthday. And we're just, I remember walking into Tingly Coliseum and we we're watching this bull riding and, we're just sitting there
0: and like... I mean, back then at the BROs, all the dudes came too, right? Oh,
1: yeah. It was it was rank. I mean, it was... And it was cool. We had the day sheet with us and we we're... A guy would ride. And I didn't really know any of the guys at the time, but we would call out scores, what we think they were going to be. And I remember I'd, I would call out the right score and I'd be hooping and hollering. And it was just a... I, it was a really good core memory that I have of me and my dad. That's awesome. And... uh you know, I begged him long enough, then when I was 13, he finally said, all right, you want to do this, we're going to go do some people that I trust that can help you do it the right way. Because um, we weren't, we didn't have the, the means to, we didn't have an arena or anything. We just right. lived right there in town. And so we went to Tanner and Patrick Trujillo's place in Abiquiu, New Mexico, and um, great bull riders. Um, Patrick made the first PBR World Finals, and so I was set up to to win pretty much as and got on my first bull when I was thirteen, and I was hooked. Like I was like, "This is it." And uh, yeah, from thirteen till I guess twenty four. I that was it. twenty five I rode. Yeah. What was it about it? Um, the rush, I guess, and just the. I I, I guess it would be the adrenaline and just the. It was challenging. And so I, I excelled at a lot of things in life that so quickly, like baseball or football. I was just I was on the all-star team in baseball. I was just blah, blah, blah. And, it was, and uh, bull riding was just like doing that.
0: When that took off, did all the other things subside?
1: Yeah. Like I forgot about everything.
0: Like You are like one yeah, track. I was just
1: minded. one track minded. And I, you know, and. I would get on every Tuesdays and Thursdays. We'd get on bulls. I'd get on probably four on Tuesday, four on Thursday. And I did that for about two two or three months before I even entered my first rodeo. And then and you're with guys are teaching you.
0: Yeah. Right. Good from foundational right. mechanics from the get-go. So you weren't creating a lot of bad habits by hanging on to steers sideways and all yeah. the things that.
1: Yeah. Like the first thing I ever <clears throat> learned was how to get off properly. Like um, let's. And uh, I just sat on a stationary barrel for hours and hours, and Tanner would be like, All right, look over your shoulder. And we did it repetitively, just over and over again. And then, but yeah, I got to enter my first rodeo in Hotchkiss, Hotchkiss Colorado. And uh, I won it. You did? Yeah, I won my first rodeo. and Dude,
0: I've never even heard of that.
1: <laughs> and it was so cool. I, um, and the dads weren't allowed behind the chutes. So I was already freaked out. I'm like, Oh my gosh, what's going on here? I don't know anybody i'm new i got baggy jeans on and i'm wearing bands <laughs> and duct taping i forgot my bootstraps and i've duct taped my boots on and uh do you remember who pulled your rope um yeah tyler shellstead um he's up there from colorado i think he lives in weatherford now but he pulled my rope he kind of took me under his wing he was a senior bull rider and then i was a junior bull rider and he just said yeah and the, everyone called me new mexico um after I won that first one, they're like, Oh yeah, that New Mexico kid. Yeah, that's awesome. But it was cool. I, I remember getting off and my dad was I ran right up to my dad and just gave him a high five and I was like, That couldn't have worked out any better. Oh, dude. And um I think that moment my dad was hooked too and which was really cool 'cause like in taking you? Yeah. And so like he him and my stepmom like devoted their life to Take me up and down the road we we went everywhere all over Colorado. we drove to Sweetwater, Texas, from New Mexico, and it's like for junior rodeo and it's like yeah he was and, uh what a good yeah, dad and it, he was solid like I've seen a lot of dads that were super hard on their their kids, and my my dad never was like he if I got bucked off, he was just like well let's, let's just go regroup, let's go back to the drawing board, go back to home base and so
0: what a what a what a lesson I mean. Cause I, I think that we've all seen those dads that are the opposite of your dad was mm-hmm. because it's more about their identity and them looking bad if their son doesn't do good. Right. Yeah. That's why dads are mm-hmm. jerks. I coach high school football. Yeah. And fortunately I think that I'm most of the dads are scared of me enough that I I've, I've never had any problems, but I have friends that who coach in mm-hmm. that space and it's horrible. Yeah. I mean, There's fights and stuff all the time because of it, because of these insecure men that Mm -hmm. can't let their kids fail because it's a black eye to them. So good for your dad for he figured that out pretty early on. Yeah, it was sweet, and
1: yeah, it was a good journey. We got, and it was a good time to have family time. You know, we were always traveling together, and uh, you know, I look back and you know, because my parents were divorced. and I had a stepmom and a dad and a stepdad and a mom and we lived about 30 minutes apart. And, and I have a older brother and a, a younger sister, half sister. Um, but I found a way to, to be connected with my family. And it, I look back and like, I was always known as the golden child and like, Oh yeah, Randy wants to do this. He gets to do this. And, um, so my brother probably has a completely different perspective oh, of sure. things and I and I I'm recognizing that now.
0: Mm. And um cuz dad was always gone with you. Yeah,
1: and it, it's just like everything was revolved around me and I just found the I found a way. I, I found a I I hacked the system almost to where I'm like, "Hey, this feels good." And I didn't even really have the the language for it sure. when I was younger just yeah. Did you split time? Yeah, so it was 50-50 with uh, one week with my dad, one week with my mom.
0: Always growing up, and your brother too. Yeah, were and you the, guys on the same schedule?
1: Um, we did until my brother got a vehicle, and then he would mostly just live with my mom. He never
0: um wouldn't come over,
1: as wouldn't much. come to dad's or anything. Um, but yeah, for the most part, fifty fifty. Is
0: your half sister with your mom and stepdad or
1: um yeah, yeah? So she was, and then and then my mom and stepdad got divorced. Um, when I was 13 and
0: uh, was that hard on you?
1: Yeah, it, it was cause I thought it was my fault <laughs> cause
0: like we all do.
1: Yeah. Like, That's the and, lie we all. And I, I, I like now obviously it's like, yeah, it wasn't my fault. But like for a long time I was like, man, did I do this? Like, because there was some incidents where um like my stepdad would rough me up and he'd, did it pretty good one night and I went to school, and there it was obvious like something happened to me. I was like, Yeah, I'll tell you exactly what happened to me. And because I was so pissed off, good and then for you. so they, um, and that, that kind of just started a big deal with, and I ended up living with my dad for a while at that time. And then mom and Jeff split ways, and then, and so it was really hard because Jeff had been in my life since I was probably. Uh, year old so you don't remember life without him no sure and so and he was great he was a great stepdad until he wasn't um yeah and
0: yeah it's just kind of have you ever talked seen him bumped into oh
1: yeah well i've i've seen him twice since when i was 13 i'm 35 now and i actually sent him a super long message after wildcatter just like out of the yeah you did yeah and it was just like just trying to fill him up with how I see him and and that anything that happened between us, like, like I don't hold anything against him or anything. Like I, I mostly talked about all the good things that I appreciated him. That's awesome. He taught me how to tie my shoes. He taught me how to throw a baseball or oil my glove. Like he taught me a lot of things that I'm just like, man, like that, what a good dude to take the time and,
0: well, that's the kind of man that you are mm-hmm. to bring healing. But that's the cool thing about this narrow path, as we call it. Right, mm-hmm. as, as you go on it, it doesn't matter your position and age. The invitation is to go after wholeness and reconciliation with boundaries. Like, but for you to reach out to him, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Did he ever respond? Yeah, and you know we
1: have a pretty decent relationship. Like he'll message me. Um, and he loves Olivia, my little girl, and I'll send him pictures and stuff. And I, I love him so much and I love him that he's my sister's dad and he yeah. still has a special place in my heart sure. too. But, um, yeah, he's still family to me, even though we don't even do not even close doing life together. Yeah. That's um, okay though. Yeah. too.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, when is in your dad, is he still married to?
1: Yeah, today's his anniversary. Thirty-two oh, nice. years. Yeah. Shout out, thirty-two <laughs> yeah. years, dude. Thirty-two years. That's awesome. Yeah. So. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and Shelly, she's amazing. She's she's a rock star. She uh, she when she met my dad, we were just too young. My brother and I were just off the wall crazy little kids, and she just embraced it. And yeah, we lived in a tiny little house. I think it was a one bedroom apartment, or two bedrooms. Uh, and I just remember, like, we were so poor. And my dad had a broke back at the time. We were eating beans and tortillas. And Shelly's just like, man, this is how we
0: do it. And, yeah. I, I'm i always impressed by step-parents that embrace that. Mm-hmm. Because they certainly don't have to. Yeah, But I think it comes at a great sacrifice because... As you now know, because you have a child, Mm. like to raise somebody else's child, the way that God intended for all this to happen, like that bond that you have with your own little one, Mm. you know what I mean? Like, you probably even have a better appreciation for it now for that stepmom and stepdad of how they embraced you and loved you, even when it was hard, because it's sometimes hard with our own kids, Yeah, but you're almost once removed Mm -hmm. from that bond inside of, you know, being part of making a little baby. Yeah. So yeah, it was shout huge. out to all the step parents yeah, that are sure. stepping in and stepping up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And she's, uh, you know, we could probably go into her story cause it's pretty powerful. Like what happened with us is, you know, she, she, thankfully she's been sober now for, I think over 25 years, or 20 some years. Um, but you know, we've, she was a raging alcoholic. She would hide it. And, uh, you know, it really started getting bad. Um, she picked me up from football practice one night and we went on a head on collision almost with a semi. And, um, I just, it just, that's what started everything with like, I started seeing my dad and stepmom just freaking out. My dad got, he, we got home and, there was no cell phones at the time. So he didn't know where we were. He was scared. He was running off of emotions. Um, long story short, Shelly gets admitted into a rehab and now we're just trying to figure things out. And I'm, I'm young. I'm like, what the hell's going yeah, on your here? The world's upside down. Um, totally upside down. I just, it's I'm freaking out. And, um, I thought it was my fault again. Cause I grabbed the steering wheel and we ended up in a ditch, crashed the truck, whatever. But, uh, and then she gets out of rehab and we're doing okay, like just okay. And uh, then a big deal happened and she had ended up having to go back. Um, and then I was like, what the heck is going on here? But when she got out and she started going to those her AA meetings, I went with her. I was like in sixth grade or seventh grade and I, and I just wanted to go with her and
0: who does that? Yeah.
1: And, uh, and so we, we built a huge bond, I think, me and her together through that whole, whole deal, because she was completely broken. And yeah, just, uh, I wanted to know. I didn't even have the capacity to even, uh, everything that was going on, but I just wanted her to be healed. I wanted her to be better. I just was tired of seeing her sick. And, um, yeah, long story short, it was just she's been sober now and like we've been doing life together and it led her to, you know, as a believer and you know, we started going to church but we we just didn't really know like and I like I, we never grew up going to church. Like okay. there's just no church at all. And and so we had that like a good feeling like we'd go to church and but no connection, no relationship. And it really started kicking into gear when um high school rodeo when we started going to Cowboy church and just kinda and then it started like, all right, well this is this something is good. To this. Yeah, something to this. And then when I went to college, um my So mo- you
0: rodeoed through high school, like did you yeah. high school rodeo?
1: Yeah, high school rodeoed went to the high school finals in Springfield, Illinois two years. Um ended up getting a scholarship to go to Odessa, which was huge just because all my heroes went to Odessa, yeah. Jim Sharp, Ty Murray, Carrios, cool. um, Jerome Davis. And so I i was had the opportunity to go there for two years and we had a stacked team in Odessa. And Bonner Bolton, um, I ended up living with him in college and he took me to my first real church. Like it was for college kids, it was called Invictus on Thursday nights and we went there and I just I sat up front. And I was like, man, this is something I've never heard or felt before. And I just think um, the Holy Spirit just entered me. And I was like, mm. And, yeah, and then it was just on from there. And then I I just wanted to know about Jesus and
0: who he was. And, but I, I was still rodeo at the time, and I was still. So the conflict was yeah. still there of, like, you see these guys, like, I rodeoed in the era with, like, um, Cody Custer. Yeah. So I would see him. Yeah. Then I would see guys like me who grew up in the church, knew the difference between right and wrong, but my flesh always won every weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was always in, like, felt condemnation. Yeah. Because I I wasn't on the same path as Cody Custer. Yeah. I was on the path of, like, I'd go to cowboy church sometimes Mm -hmm. so hungover that made me even feel worse, like. Yeah. Eventually I just quit going.
1: Yeah. I started playing games with myself. I said, oh, if I don't cuss or if I don't drink and I'm going to ride my bull this weekend, like God's going to
0: honor that. And oh like, yeah. You start leveraging yeah, your relationship yeah, with God to and win. Was like,
1: <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is how we do it. And so like, and I played that game for a long time. Um, and then we started doing a bull riding camp out at, a, at my dad's place. My dad ended up moving to Northern New Mexico and bought a nice little ranch, uh, built an arena bunch of bunk houses and we started hosting a bull riding camp called rod riding on faith and um you know we did it for over a decade decade oh wow um our first year we had seven students and then you know year five we were capping it off at 50 um, and we had 50 kids so your
0: dad team. kind of went along the journey with finding his own relationship with the lord yeah through all of this
1: yeah i think with everything that we went through with um shelly's testimony and you know i I, I, I feel, I, I feel like I'm a huge part in that too, just cause the decision I made to just go to church one night and just, I'm always curious. So I'm like, yeah, let's see what it's about. Like, and, uh, so yeah, my parents, like Shelly and dad stepped up to the plate and they, they had a vision that they were going to bring all these kids and, uh, instructors to Northern New Mexico and we we're going to have a, a bull riding camp for five days in the middle of nowhere, no cell phone service and, Man, it was just amazing. We had some of the greatest instructors out there. We had the greatest bullfighters. And, yeah, it was just uh, super special. And that's that's where I started really getting connected with Todd. And
0: that's kind of just what's led me. Because Todd, for anybody that doesn't know, he was kind of like the, the pastor for the PBR for, yeah. what, 20 years yeah. or something? A o- long time. Yeah, over 15 years he yeah. was that. And so, like, that
1: was... A good way to get him in with, you know, Travis Briscoe. It was a huge bull rider at the time. Cody Nance, L.J. Jenkins, uh, Shane Proctor, Matt Austin, all and all of them would come to camp, and and so we just would invite everybody. And so Todd, Todd would come, and he would do his demonstration there, and also help with whatever he needed help to help with. And he's just good, good to be around. And so then that's that's when I started. Asking him questions Because I, I was like man I trust this dude Like I'm gonna start asking him some hard questions And I I just remember telling him like Dude I'm screwing up <laughs> I think I'm screwing up And he's like, and I remember he was washing mud off of his boots And he's like oh yeah why do you think that And so but that just opened up A door for us to start Communicating and um, Through him like he's Just been such a Spiritual father to me Best friend kind of thing Um, and so, yeah, I've just tried to run with him as much as I can. Just, he's a good teacher
0: and yeah, he's one in a 10 million for sure or more. Yeah. Um, jumping kind of back to college though, what was your relationship with alcohol like? Oh, I, I just
1: loved to party. I feel like I handled my booze pretty well but i mean i mean who handles their booze well i mean everybody thinks they yeah, do. think they do but i uh my main focus was um i just loved to party and i
0: loved to chase girls honestly like that was so was you seem to have a a bit more drive than i do mm-hmm. i liked rodeo for the lifestyle more than i I got real honest with myself when I went on this journey. I, I don't know that I liked riding bucking horses. Mm-hmm. I liked being on the run from my life, and I liked that brotherhood because it was like a bunch of broken little boys mm-hmm. that were just running wild. Mm-hmm. And I loved the party and the lifestyle. I didn't love riding bucking horses, no. and I wasn't that good at it. Yeah, but oh man. I love the shindig. Mm-hmm. I was addicted to the shindig. Yeah, well, that's, but you, you really were, were, so this is my question. Were you there? What was first riding bulls or partying? Um, like if you were to look back now and prioritize what you were really going for, I, I was prioritizing, um, partying
1: when I got to college. So like when I got there, like I, I was, uh, very athletic and I, I feel like I was very really gifted in riding, and, but it could only get me so far. So I'd, I'd, i'd get by every now and then cut a check but i would never really ride the rank ones or the ones that i really needed to stay on um just because my focus was not there like i was consumed with where are we going after the rodeo or Where's the party yeah uh, all the time or Is like that
0: girl gonna be there yeah, yeah
1: totally and you know that lasted for two strong years and then and then i met ty he came down to college and that just like completely shifted Ty okay. Um Yeah. So Ty Pazabon was, he actually came to college when he was 17. And, um, and I didn't even know he was that young. I was like, dude, how are you here? And you're 17. But uh, when I met him, I just instantly knew something was different about him and just, it almost reignited a fire in me to love bull riding again. Like to be like, Oh dude, you can do this and um, and see his work ethic and uh how he approached the game, and he still liked to have fun, but his main focus was like, I want to be a world champion bull rider, and this is how I do it and so I just locked arms with him, and wherever he went, I wanted to go, and we became super good friends and was
0: he, so he was a little bit younger than you he was a little bit
1: younger, yeah. and um he turned eighteen in November um yeah, November 9th was his birthday and so shoot, we were in school from September October. Yeah, a couple months until he could turn 18. Right when he turned 18, I was like, "Let's go, let's go." And so
0: I You and, guys bought your permit? And- yeah,
1: so I already had mine. Um and so he bought his PBR card, um his permit. And I was like, "Let's let's go. I'll take you wherever you need to go." Cuz he didn't he he didn't have any sense of direction. He's and. I can understand that. he's He was a little mama's boy, but I, I loved that about him that, you know, he had such a strong relationship with Leanne, his mom, and uh he just, I was just like, dude, you're dumber than a rock. You can't even get anywhere. Even if we have the Tom Tom on the screen, he's going to go in a different direction. I'm like. you Let me pilot this yeah, thing. So I just, I'm glad that I was healthy enough to like my, my mindset was like, oh, I want to. I see the good in you and I want to do any anything I can to help you succeed.
0: So you like, guys were kind of a good partnership because yeah. you both had something the other needed. Yeah,
1: totally. And I and I still had the grit to get on but like my main focus was almost I wanted to I I just I was like you got it. Like when you when you know someone has it yeah. like and so I just wanted to drive him wherever he needed to go and I would enter too but I I was like, yeah, we're not worried about me. Like Ty's going to make it. And, um, but yeah, we, uh, we went to Thibodeau, Louisiana on a Friday night and, uh, then Arcadia, Florida on a, on a Saturday afternoon perf. We didn't know that it was an afternoon perf. So we had to haul ass and go straight to Arcadia. Um,
0: but, you guys uh, were doing it up big time. Yeah.
1: And then we, we traveled all over. We went to just about every PBR you could think of challenger series. And, um, and he was picking up checks. Oh yeah, he was went. Were he, you getting a little? here I, and there? Yeah, and I, I was actually doing good at that time, just because you, you're as good as your company, I yep. think, and you kind of step up to the plate. And so I would, I was actually doing probably the best that I have done in a long time. And I was like, man, this is sweet. And um, you know, I, I won my first PBR in Canada with him. Like he got second, I got first, and so I was like, nice. I was like, hell yeah! <laughs> but you, you're um, driving now. Yeah, it was uh but it was cool and then he ended up making it uh and that that kind of stung a little bit in a way just making like it. he went to the, he made it the top to the, 45 in the world so like okay. he was seated he's a PBR superstar and um
0: uh, And so you're not traveling together anymore? Not
1: traveling anymore and I I remember at one point in my life uh I dropped him off at the Houston airport and I had no money. Like Barely, I probably had like seven bucks, and Ty was like, "You gonna be all right?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm good." And um, he flew off to I think Tucson or somewhere in Arizona to a bull riding. and I could drive as far as I could go, which wasn't far out of Houston. I didn't have that much gas, and I just stayed there in Houston, just like contemplating, like, "What am I doing with my life?" Like,
0: well, that's need- got to be really hard when you go all those miles with somebody and then they make it yeah and you said it stung a little bit but probably stung a lot yeah i just um it really made me
1: reflect on like what am i gonna do and i still took me a long time to figure it out like I, i i was always a drifter i always just i'm i am running i was always running like i that's how my mom was you know i you know she was always bouncing all over the place going we lived in like 20 different houses growing up like we just had to we're never comfortable. And so I'd get jobs here and there. I'd roof buildings in El Paso. I would go work in the oil field. I I did whatever it, Were you still
0: going to weekend rodeos. Um,
1: not when I was roofing buildings. I, I committed my, my time to roofing and stacking some cash to go have some money to go hit it hard in the winter part. And like, I remember roofing in El Paso and, just miserable, you know. Just well, El, it's El Paso. Yeah, anything, yeah, roofing related and El Paso <clears throat> miserable. And I was sleeping in the truck at the time. Like my boss had me living in an apartment with all the guys that we were working with and nothing against them. Like I
0: just You'd rather sleep in the truck. Yeah.
1: Yep, and uh I get it. And so it was just a really weird time of my life. Stacked some cash, I was all pumped up. Me and Ty jumped back in the car together, going to some rodeos now, and I my money lasted like a month and a half. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> stack. I, just, I just stacked all this cash like working like you know, working hard every day and then it's just all gone. Just but uh yeah, that's just how it kinda kinda went with that deal. And i and then uh I, I fought it for a long time, like just I'd win a check here and there, but then I finally I was like, Dude, I'm done. I can't do this anymore.
0: Well, it's really hard. I I should have quit probably three years before I did, but again, being addicted to the shindig, but I went from high school sports, which was my identity, Mm -hmm. to rodeo, which was the most important thing looking back now was, that's who I was. Any accolades, any girls, anything I ever got was because of, that arena Mm -hmm. and the thought of giving that up because we all saw the guy at mr lucky's bar in phoenix that was a has-been wearing that buckle (laughs) from 1987 and i was terrified to have a jacket that was two years old Mm -hmm. and that was my last one i mean terrified that's why i didn't quit that's the only reason i didn't quit is because it was like how am I going to get girls? Who's yeah. going to be my friend? Who, all those things. Did that play into your deal at all? Oh, yeah, totally. Like, I, it, the buckle thing mattered to me. Like, I was like,
1: man, I, I need to win something. This is, this says 2009. I need to, you know, I did, and it wasn't my identity. I just, my success determined like who I was. And, um, yeah, I just, and I, but I was, have such a huge community of friends, and so, like, I they loved me for who Randy is. Like, yeah. they don't give a shit about
0: how good of a bull rider I am. And, and, and I would say that I had that too, but <clears throat> to me, that didn't seem like enough, yeah, because I just didn't want to be and has been. Man. Oh, yeah, totally.
1: And, and you know, when I stopped riding bulls, I got into videoing, which almost was a medication through because you still got to be there yeah and but you know i started videoing and then i really started being seen and i was like oh yeah here
0: we go like i'm on top of the world and uh because it replaced the identity from being yeah this bull rider to being like this guy that is really really good at this thing And you're also not the guy just there with your buddies rodeo and pulling ropes. Mm-hmm. And everybody's kind of like, why is that dude here? Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. And <clears throat> that gave you a purpose. Yeah. And, and I. So how did that happen?
1: Well, yeah, I always had a camera in my hand, like videoing our rides and stuff. Um, and then when I got to college, like I had a program on my computer that I can just put our rides together, put some music. And, you know, me and Ty were always making. Uh, little edits of our rides and, you know, just goofing off.
0: Clipping the good parts together.
1: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And uh, people liked it. People enjoyed seeing it. And I just, man, it just made me so happy to put something together and see a finished product. I was like, oh, man,
0: this is cool. And satisfying. Yeah.
1: And uh, I never in a million years would have thought I would be able to do it for a living just because the cameras we had, I mean, the cameras that were producing really great stuff were just out of reach for me. So like, I just had like these little flip phone uh, or flip cameras or a GoPro or a little uh, like DVS camcorder. And, uh, but it just turned into someone asked me to film their wedding one day. They paid me like $2,000. I'm like, you're going to pay me to film your wedding. Sure. Great. I'll be there. I filmed it on like a camo hunting camera, (laughs) but then, yeah, it just took off. And I think the, The relationship I built with like a lot of people in the industry, Western industry, they're just already like, hey, we want to come film this or film that. And I was like, "Yep." anywhere I could go, I would go. And I I remember driving all the way to Salinas, California, um, to film the bullfights out there. And I had I literally had thirty dollars to my name and um, Cody Emerson won it. And I think he gave me um, like a hundred bucks and that got me back to New Mexico. Um, I was in my Monte Carlo, but I would—I would I was literally take any opportunity that I could to just go get better. And anything filming related, I was like wanting to do it. And then, and then it just exploded. Then I got some big contracts, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm making more money than I ever have in my life."
0: And, and doing something that you were passionate about—that yeah. just kind of had this real organic start yeah. to it, right?
1: Yeah, totally organic and super seamless from bull riding into filming, and yeah, it just took off. And then you know I, start, we, me and Dale Brisby, we did that deal for a long time. Like I think I, you know, he got me in right at the start that I was doing it. So I was. How, how did
0: that all go down? I've never even asked yeah, you really about any uh, of
1: that. Yeah. So. I was actually living in Louisiana with my buddy DJ Domang, and he's a character too. And Dale was already putting out some videos. And so me and DJ put out some videos, like calling out Dale, just like stirring the pot. A oh really? Bit. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> were, I didn't know that. They were hilarious. And, uh, I don't think Dale liked them too much, but, <laughs> um, they're, they're funny. And then, and then, uh, yeah, we're jumping all over the place here. But, um, then I met my wife, my, you know, Victoria and she, we started dating and then I started like saying, I, I need to get something more consistent, a little more steady. And so how did you meet her? Um, met her in Las Vegas at the PBR finals. And I, I was hanging out with all people, Jim Sharp. <laughs> and we're sitting there at the bar at South point and just kind of shooting the shit. And Jim McLean, an old bullfighter, um, handed me these drinks, said, Hey, can you come help me bring these drinks to these ladies? And one was Victoria's aunt and one was Victoria. And I was like, instantly i was like oh my gosh like the music goes off everything yeah, she, yeah. and some i some
0: doves fly I, away
1: hand her this drink and she was like and then it there's like a record stop she's like what is this and i was like oh the i don't know jim told me to bring i don't know to. what this is but yeah here, you should yeah, drink. you it. should drink it <laughs> All right, see you later and then uh yeah i didn't and i was like man i lost my shot but then i got the courage to go talk to her which that was really rare for me. I always wanted them to come talk to me yeah. first, and then I have leverage. But, um, uh, Yeah, I went and talked to her, and then I was putting up metal buildings at the time, too. And so the, our next job was in her hometown where she was living, and so we just started connecting and going out to eat. And I told her the first night I wanted to marry her, and I was like, yeah, I want to marry you. <laughs> and uh so, yeah, we just started doing life together, and it was really rare for Randy to have a girlfriend. Like, I just... People didn't know me to be tied down to any one girl. Yeah. And so I was just super in love with her and I wanted to do anything with her. How and, old were you when you met her? Um I was twenty four, I think yeah, twenty four.
0: And uh But you were done riding bulls? I had
1: I had rode probably three more months after we had met. Maybe a little longer. I tried to make one more final run at it and then she was at my last bull ride and we went to it was in beaumont or not not beaumont uh belton had a pbr and i was in first section i was like the second bull rider out got i mean one jumped right out there (laughs) i went to locker room i was like i'm out like i'm done and i told her i was like that's it i can't do it hope you're not in love with me because i'm a bull rider (laughs) and i was like uh this ain't it i'm just not having fun anymore and right before i even Right before the bull riding started, I walked in the locker room. I was like, I'm just, why am I here? Like, I'm just either going to get hurt or just, I like, it's stupid. And so, yeah, I made a decision to stop. And then um, I got the invite from Dale to come to his house. And he was living in College Station at the time. And an, another, like, great decision that I think I made that was really uncomfortable for me because I didn't know him. And I was like, I don't know what to expect, but it's worth a shot. So drove, drove over there and we filmed like three videos and it just like instantly like, all right, let's do this. Just clicked. Yeah. And, um, he was going through like some weird transitions at the time and didn't know if he was going to pursue the brand of rodeo time. And I was like, and I remember there was a guy shooting his horse. And he's just kind of venting to me, and I'm just like pumping him up. I'm like, dude, can you only imagine? Like, if you just keep going, like, it's going to turn into this and that and that. And I'm just really optimistic about everything. And, um, I would love to hear his side of the story on that, just because it was, it was kind of funny because this guy's shooting his horse, and he's like, oh, dude, I might have to do this for free. He's like broke over here, not <laughs> about ready to give everything up. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think that kind of, Opened his eyes a little bit for what's possible because you um, had
0: this vision of what this yeah, thing could be because nobody's doing anything like yeah
1: it. no one was doing it at the time it was so new to social media and and but our intentions were to like let's just make some funny stuff like let's just have fun with it and see where it goes and he would pay me in product so he'd give me t-shirts and a hat and a couple stickers I'm like yeah no problem dude I'm, we're good like let's just keep going and then and then it started elevating like all right, here's 700 bucks for this video. And then, and then, then we're getting sponsorship money. And then like, it's like, here's this and that and that. And I was like, wow, I haven't made this much money in my entire life. Uh This, this is awesome. And we got to go
0: all over the place to, to shoot these videos. And, 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 and you guys were really like formed a team, right? Like we're you were probably, cause I know you how creative you are. Mm-hmm. Did you get to have creative input in a lot of the things you were doing? That's one thing that I liked about him is he's like, man, just do you
1: just, you know, he had really no control over any of the thing that I edited, but we would have like little power talks in the morning and be like, Oh, what if we film it like this? Or here's some ideas. And we we would kind of just wing it and, and have fun with it. And yeah, it just exploded and turned into a huge deal. And then we ended up, you know, we parted ways three years ago, but we're and it burned the shit out of me. Like I was like super bitter and miserable about it for a long time, uh, but we're good now. Like I, there's still little moments that I, I catch myself, but overall, like it's it's opened up all these other doors for me that I I can see the good in.
0: Well, it has to be hard to <clears throat> be with something. And someone and build something from nothing, Mm -hmm. and then to step away from it and to see the trajectory of it still Mm -hmm. climb. I've been involved in certain situations like that, and I'm not projecting on you that this was you, but I was like, oh yeah, this some bitch gonna burn Uh down (laughs) when I leave, boy. Yeah, good luck. And then it it still. Mm -hmm. climbed and did well. Yeah. And I was like, my pride, I was like, gosh, did I make the right choice? Mm -hmm. Scary.
1: Yeah. I know. I, I think about that a lot and, uh, just where he's at now. And, but now like I communicate with him and I, you know, we're starting to build up a relationship again and he's coming out. Uh, we buck bulls every, just about every day in Stephenville. And sometimes he'll come out and bring his interns and so it's, it's been really cool to just kind of rekindle some things. And we haven't talked about anything, which kind of I don't like because I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm yeah. like, let's just talk about it, dude. <laughs> Come on. Um, but I, I'm okay with just like easing on and, in, and, well, the things. fact
0: that you guys are still mm-hmm. in, um, communication. Yeah. Like that's the hope that's possible mm-hmm. of, reconciliation and redemption yeah but so often when our pride our cowboy pride when we have these things that happen it's like we take our balls and both run home and mm. build up these walls but the fact that you guys are still even like talking and hanging out yeah i think is like oh it'll happen yeah. in the right time and so that's good but you were how long did you do that um, six and a half years. Oh, dang.
1: Yeah. So we were doing <clears throat> so. And that's, that's why I think why it stung so much is just cause man, it was, it was a Monday through Sunday kind of thing. And I, there was a lot of sacrifice on his part and my part, um, on what we did and, um, just to see how hard we worked and where it's, what it's become. And then for me to just almost like it just instantly stopped. Like one day it was just, yeah, done. just one day it was just, I was out and I was like, man, that, that hurt. And I was super bitter and I was pissed off and I wanted to grab his freaking long hair and curb stomp his ass a couple of (laughs) times, you know, and, uh, but I started realizing like, if I stay bitter and like, just my eyes are just completely glazed over, I'm going to miss opportunities in my life that are for me. Yeah. And that, and it sounds cliche, but it's like, man, when God closes a door, another one opens. And that's so true because I think better doors have opened Um, for me, and I think it was it's it was designed for me to to go this route, and I think we're supposed to go through these kind of struggles. That's what make us like super powerful and and strong for for not only for ourselves, for anyone around us. And so it's been it's been really cool to walk through actually, and just see how how God is, has has literally been in the center of all this the whole time and I might have been just running around like a chicken with my head cut off but it's like when I just stopped and like I could see and feel what's actually going on I'm like man
0: this is right where I need to be and you have the advantage of hindsight now yeah. but in the middle of it that's kind of when we kind of started talking stuff when some yeah. of that was going on and yeah and making those choices to back away and 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 not not knowing what was going to be next mm-hmm. and, you know and being a part of something that was catching like fire and yeah. to step away from that and being married and all mm-hmm. the decisions financial and it's a lot to deal with yeah yeah and
1: i think what's helped me so much is making some wise decisions and surrounding myself with people that carry a lot carry more wisdom than I do, or just like, I see, I see an opportunity. I'm going to take it. And like you and, and Todd and, and Jason and, you know, have helped me walk through a lot of stuff that could have burned me to the ground. Like
0: I could have just been way off the tracks, but it's, that's the beauty of getting in a brotherhood. This is the message, right? Like, yeah surround yourself with people that have your best interest in mind that are for you and that can speak into your blind spot. Mm -hmm. Right. And be like, Hey, I love you so much that I'm telling you, you're acting out in fear or pride or bitterness. And men just are so not good at doing that. But I've just found how powerful that can be and save us from a lot of heartache yeah. is to be around men that have some years on us mm-hmm. or not, or even younger. guys. just guys that you trust that know that are for you. Right. And have the humility to be like, am I, is this my pride or my pain mm-hmm. that's making these decisions that could go sideways? And so you're very wise for, yeah having letting men in your life speak to those places because we all have blind spots. Totally. Yeah. I still got blind spots and
1: i just, dude, minor, humongous trying to press forward. But, you know, a man told me one time, he said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense to me. And so the, I find, I read this today that I, I find a lot of joy in surrounding myself with faith filled people. And I, I find it, um, it's an honor to be around people that aren't faith filled. But, um, if that makes any sense, like yep. I, that resonated in me so much because I want to be the man that God created me, created me to be so other people can see the Father and, I just want that to speak through me
0: wherever I go. And I whether you do it. I, well, yeah. you do it well. Yeah. Thanks. Well, that's the, we don't need more people preaching at mm-hmm. the people that aren't where we're at. <clears throat> I've had more people come to me and ask me questions about the peace that I carry. Like how, how are you so peaceful in all these situations? Mm hmm. And it's like, well, let me tell you, instead of me standing on the corner yelling at people that gay people and people who have abortions are going to burn in hell, I've just never seen that work.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't work. It
0: doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But living a, a noble life as you can, right, in our humanness and in our flawed, sinful nature and in the flesh that we still walk in sometimes, I just have... Seen people be more receptive to walking it out and mm-hmm. fighting for the things that matter most, yeah. like our wives and our children and this brotherhood and going out amongst them. I don't shield myself with believers, mm-hmm. but my inner circle. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have They're powerful. Yeah. They're powerful men of God. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I don't know if I mentioned this on here, but, I have, we have guys that come to our fires in my barn everywhere from Mormon to agnostics. Mm -hmm. And I've asked my brothers who are agnostic openly, they're like, when we pray and stuff, they just do whatever. I'm like, why do you keep coming? Like, I I really am curious. I love you, but I want to know. And they're like, they both, they've all said the same thing. You don't judge. You don't judge me. Yeah. You love me right where I'm at. And mm-hmm. I feel loved by you and you guys and these men. And I'm like, what a, what a beautiful, mm-hmm. that's how Jesus would yeah, roll. That's, you know, that's how he did roll. Yeah. That's the heart of
1: God. That's what everyone should feel that because that's, that's the truth. That's what it is. It's, there's no shame. There's no con, you know, it's just, it's pure love. There's, yeah. There's no l- condemnation yeah. in
0: love, his love. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, no,
1: that's cool. I want to get up there one day.
0: I know you need to come to yeah. one of our retreats, bro. You'd love it. That'd be sweet. Um, so you get married. Yeah. How long did you date? We dated for two years, oh, and then pretty good.
1: And then we just said, "Let's let's do it." So and, at
0: like twenty four, you got married.
1: Um, let's see. We got married what is it? Uh, it'll be seven years ago, December.
0: So you were young. Yeah. Yeah, I was young. And, and, and it's been easy since you got married, right? It's been perfect.
1: Oh yeah, it's been so perfect. No. <laughs> no, we've had we've had a couple shit storms and um you know, uh <sighs> choked up. Like twenty days before we get married, Ty kills himself. So that was tough, you know. Supposed to be my best man, and you know he went through down, went down a road that he did not win. You know, he just started believing in the lies and that whether it's people or just his thoughts, the enemy. And so he committed suicide. It's coming up on seven years, January 9th is when he did it. And so it was really tough trying to get everything together for our wedding and trying to supposed to be the happiest day of one of our lives, you know? And so
0: that's, I, I can't imagine right before that having to deal with, I mean, he was your brother and best mm-hmm. friend.
1: Yeah. I mean, We did everything together. Talked just about every day, and I knew he was going through problems. Um, And I don't, I don't carry anything like I should have, could have, did this. Um, I laid it all out on the line with him. And um, but knowing what I know now, I think I have a better set of tools. um, If and if it were to happen to someone else that I truly love, or I kind of have a better way to walk through
0: that with them. And by tools, you mean like, were there, do you feel like what you know now and having grace for who you were then, mm-hmm. could you see the, this trajectory by things that were said or oh, his yeah. pulling
1: back? Totally. He isolated himself. He, uh, really got shut down and, um, and he was just some of the texts that I'd hear just hearing his voice. um it was wasn't evident to me at the time. I was just like, man, you're just in a bad spot, like Mm -hmm. toughen up, like you'll be all right. But man, I, the note that he left really opened my eyes. Like I was like, damn, what the hell were you really going through? Yeah. And so it just makes me have way more compassion for where people are at because knowing Ty and him being one of the toughest dudes I know for him to, go through with what he did it's like man there's it can happen to anyone yeah and so um it's been really cool to actually walk (laughs) through that and uh sucks that we lost him so so young um but what it's done moving forward is it's opened up a lot of doors and there's a there's more uh people aware of the situation and they started a foundation and there's an outreach that where, um guys that are dealing with head injuries or even just lost in their thoughts. They can reach out to one of us, one of his buddies will answer anytime we'll answer uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. And uh, I think we can do more obviously, but I think we're on the right track with helping other bull riders and Athletes.
0: Yeah, I think this this is the best way you can honor someone, right? That's, that's been through that and what you've gone through in his family. And at large is what Wild Courage is about, right? Is why your story matters. Mm-hmm. Because if we can get guys to start thinking about the emotional and mental aspect of this life instead of stuffing it all down... Mm-hmm. I think that it's my hope with all of this, Randy, is that we can get guys before they need to call the 1-800 number yeah. before it gets there. Mm-hmm. Like, don't push stuff down. This is why this happens. This is why yeah. I played Russian roulette. Yeah, Like, literally. Mm-hmm. With a gun in my mouth because I didn't know how to talk about anything. Yeah. I didn't know how to let anyone in. I didn't think that... At that point, I was worth letting anyone in. Mm -hmm. And so this conversation, I know it's hard, but it's so important. And I'm so grateful Mm -hmm. that you and I are having it because Mm -hmm. I think that we've all almost have experienced this at some level. Mm -hmm. Maybe not your best friend, but we know somebody who knows somebody that this has happened to. And I think that it's having these types of conversations that gives permission to the guys and gals listening to your story of it's okay to talk to someone. It's okay to trust someone and let someone into that place that you think you're all alone in and nobody would understand. There are people that would understand, right? Totally. And it'll literally will
1: set you free. I mean, I just, you know, and knowing Ty, like he was, he didn't want to talk about the stuff that were was eating him up cuz he just thought it was weak like yep. it was just a weak thing to say but um yeah moving forward like it's just vulnerability is the antidote to the poison in our body it is and it, it kills was, shame yeah totally and yeah and I've had to walk through that of just really being open about things that I was like I'm not talking about this
0: dude yeah That's one of the things I love about you and we're not going to get into any of any of it, but you take such big swings with vulnerability Mm -hmm. when we're together. And I think that's to our point, I'm closer with you and I love you more because you've let me into some things Mm -hmm. that cost you something to share with me. And it's the opposite of what we think, right? I say this all the time, like, that what keeps us from that is if you really knew me and the things I've mm-hmm. done and the things I'm thinking, mm-hmm. there's no way in you're going to like me, let mm-hmm. alone love me and accept me. And it's the opposite. Yeah. Like, I love you more because mm-hmm. of the things you've let me into that were super hard yeah. for you to tell me at the time. And that's, that's the truth. Mm-hmm. If you surround yourself with the right people. Yeah. And I get why people don't, because they're like, oh, I tried to share with my buddy this thing, or a girlfriend, and then it gets sideways, and then they use that against them. Yeah, That's that's why the older wise counsel, I think, is important, too, is to surround yourself with some guys that have been on this road for a while, and are going to hold space for your story, Mm -hmm. and listen, and love you through it. Yeah. Otherwise, it's I get the risk of it because mm. we've all been betrayed yeah. by sharing something with somebody we shouldn't have. Mm. It's not what we shared. It's who we shared it with.
1: It's, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, that's one thing that I'm thankful for you guys is I was able to, you guys were able to meet me where I'm at and love me for who I am. And I felt safe. Like it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to get, called a weirdo or sick-minded person or it's like well, this is where I'm at. <laughs> I want to share it and but it's really important who you share it with. Yeah, cuz I've seen it go the opposite
0: and, yeah, it, and then that's why people quit doing it. Yeah,
1: then they're like, "Ah, oh, screw church, screw God." Like, I'm just
0: Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, you're just sharing it with the yeah. wrong people. Yeah. But I get it. Mm-hmm. I've I've told people stuff and they've manipulated me and used it against me. Yeah. So, yeah, that's this is really good. Mm-hmm. So, dealing with that, it's the bittersweetness of about to get married. Yeah. And having your heart literally trashed. Yeah. So, you get married.
1: Yeah, get married and <laughs> move to Stephenville. We have an apartment, and Victoria didn't even move in with me like the first two weeks. I'm like, I finally called her. I'm like, hey, we're married. You want to come live with me? (laughs) Like, you want to do this together or what? And we're, um, and she was still working, finishing up a job down in South Texas. And and she had never lived with anyone else besides her parents. And so it was all, and, and never really got out of her bubble of San Antonio or, laredo texas and so i'm bringing her up here
0: doesn't know anybody she
1: doesn't know anybody and now we just I right, here we go and you know we i feel like we did the best that we could you know we there never really was anything major but i could tell that there was something missing with her she like she needed connection with with people and so we got by as long as we could in Stephenville. And then we ended up moving to Graham. um, Cause we were working at the factory or the warehouse with Dale. And so, and then she was there every day. And so that helped. Yeah. Cause she had community with people she was working with, you know, but it was still kind of like, I I want my girlfriends. I want to go out to dinner. I want to go, you know? And so, and she's such a lovable person. Like now she's got a solid group of friends around, around us that, she can go to or they come over to the house and it's super cool but uh yeah those first couple of years I'm, and i was oblivious to. i'm like yeah I just, yeah you got, like i'm just like and i was going to my friend's house still like i'm gonna i'm gonna go to jesse's house and hang out we're gonna buck some bulls and I'll, I'll be back by dinner and she's just like feels alone at the house and yeah. i'm just still doing the same things that i was doing Oblivion. And it's just like, yeah, I'm rocking and rolling. So
0: life's great. How yeah. come you aren't having yeah. the time of your life? Yeah, it's
1: easy making friends. Come on. <laughs> like but uh yeah, she's uh she's a rock star. She's she's such a amazing girl. And then we you know, we tried having kids for a long time. Uh she went through a bunch like with miscarriage and mm. you know, having an eptopic emergency right. surgery and yeah, then it got kind of rough. Um, it's a lot of pressure yeah a lot of pressure and then she thinks it's her and then i think it's me and then there's almost like a disconnect between me and her
0: for a little bit because the focus becomes this other thing yeah
1: yeah yeah and i and i i didn't know how to handle anything i would i would say i'm fine but you know
0: i did medicate through things totally and i see in your story this theme of something being your fault, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, with the divorce. Yeah, with the stepdad and mom getting divorced, with the wreck with your mom, stepmom. Like there's this theme, mm-hmm. probably even with Ty. Like what it could have, shoulda, mm-hmm. can't have a baby, and that over a year. And this is all subconscious. Yeah, but over time, we create this narrative about ourselves that it's our fault and we suck. Yeah. And if you don't know how to regulate that emotion, it just builds up and builds up to the point where you make choices like the one that you did on the way to the airport, mm-hmm. because you're so full of pain. Yeah. You don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And it's not an excuse, but it is the reason, Yeah, which is important to know the difference, right? Totally. You're not a victim because mm-hmm. you had to own what you did. Yeah. But it's also important to not, I don't think we learn from our mistakes, Randy, if we don't unpack and process the reasons why we make those choices. yeah, Because we can fall on the sword and be like, hey, I did this, and I'm sorry, and I hate it, and I hate myself about it, and I never want to do it again. Mm -hmm. I don't think we learn that way, though. Yeah, It's if we go unpack why we did it, then we can learn from it. And a, so much more we can learn about yeah. why we show up the way we do and why do we make the decisions we make based on when we're feeling a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. You just had a miscarriage. Yeah. You have this narrative that you've believed about yourself your whole life that it's your fault that things go wrong. Yeah. So, so something's going to happen. hmm Right? Yeah. So I'm just proud of you, man, for yeah. saying yes to that journey. And and it all starts with humility, right? Yeah.
1: Totally. Yeah, it was tough, and, you know, I wasn't built, like, like growing up, like, that would, it was, like, our whole life was just secrets, you know, so we never tell anything, and and it's just easier to hide it than to expose it, um, you know, and this was after Wildcatter, so I'm glad I went to Wildcatter to know what it takes to, to get through this, and, um, and which which blew my mind, like how does how does such a significant, powerful week that makes me feel on top of the world lead to almost self self-dest- like self destructing myself? And like I still really don't have the answer. I am sure you do.
0: Well, we experience these mountaintop. I call them the mountaintop. I, our retreats are definitely mountaintop experiences. Yeah, it's like this this something happened spiritually and mentally and emotionally. And that's what wildcatter was for all of us. It was this mountaintop experience. And we think that we're going to sustain that Mm -hmm. everywhere in our life. And it's like the enemy who's out there prowling around is like, Oh, you think you're up here? (laughs) (coughs) Right. And, and we still have all this unprocessed pain that we've never dealt with. And so we come off the mountaintop experience with this preconceived notion that we're going to live up here now and then the reality of life hits and marriage and kids and work and finances and all the stuff we brought to that mountaintop experience and it's like oh no Mm -hmm. that was set aside for that weekend and can be marked by heaven and be all these beautiful things that it was but that doesn't mean that we don't have to go do the work Mm mm-hmm And I literally, after our spring retreat, I'm like, we're not doing them anymore because I feel like sometimes we're leaving guys in worse shape because they've experienced and tasted and seen that he is good. Mm -hmm. And now they know what it's like and then they go home and what their life experiences at home is even lower because they've seen that this is good. That's why th- at the last retreat, I'm like, we're not doing this unless we have a plan set up with Britain for these guys to mm. follow up, follow up, yeah, and do some aftercare, yeah, because I- I've seen that happen. It's happened to me, yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up yeah. because we have these big, beautiful moments and then it comes crashing down even harder, yeah. And then we're more, um, we have more shame than we did before, too, right? Yeah. I can imagine you felt,
1: yeah, well, I felt. I felt like, what the heck just happened? Like, and I never really used the term like I'm mad at God. I don't know if I've ever, but I was. I almost felt like I was like, well, I'm out. This is gonna be like this, like it's a sham, yeah. And I, and I was like, I'm just gonna go do life like I did before. Like I was fine. Like that's what I thought, you know. Like, but like when you don't have God in your life, you might feel okay, and you just but you're just missing such everything that he has given, given us like what's his is ours. And the more that I really understand that I'm like, man, like he dreams our dreams. That's so good. Yeah. Well,
0: I like said, man, I miss you.
1: Yeah. I miss you too.
0: (laughs) So good to see you. Hopefully we can go to prison together again sometime.
1: I know. (laughs) Which one did we go in? It was was in Oregon. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was so nervous because they like kind of do the background check, and I'm like, (laughs) oh, what if they keep me in here? You know, like, it's like still when we were were talking the other night, like we were coming home from Oklahoma, and my buddy Tyler was driving. It's like 3 in the morning, and he kind of rushed through a stop sign. There was a cop on the corner, and I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm so scared still of getting pulled over because I drove around for like five years without a driver's license because mm. I had all these arrest warrants in these different states yeah. and I couldn't get a license. And so going into that prison with you and Todd and mm. Doc to do, you know, the ministry work mm. and stuff with the horses is was like, dude, I was so <laughs> I was I was like pouring sweat because I'm like, I know that they're gonna find out something, yeah. and I haven't cleaned up all my messes yeah. somehow, and they're gonna be like, "You're staying Man. in here. We got you." Uh, that's funny. See, so, yeah, I'm still terrified of yeah. cops. I haven't been pulled over and gotten a ticket, yeah, since I got all my stuff straight like six years ago. I almost feel like yeah. I need to just get pulled yeah. over, yeah, and I'll get ca- a ticket. I'll call a buddy of mine here. I was like, "Hey, there's a guy in this yeah. red rental car. Can Do you me a favor. Light him up. Yeah. Take him to jail." Well, no, I don't need to go to jail. <laughs> I just need to get a ticket yeah. to know that I'm not gonna go to jail again. Yeah. But I so know. another perfect day productions, right? Yeah. Did so get-
1: it's um started off another perfect day productions. Now it's uh another perfect day films. It's just uh and I'm I don't know how much I'm pursuing it in the future. I'm kinda locking arms with other people. Um but Home base has always been an APD, another Perfect Day Films,
0: and um, you guys have got to go check out Randy's YouTube page no. and Instagram. And
1: I need to be better at posting mm-hmm. on YouTube. I got some cool things in the mix that I'm going to start producing, and so um, excited to start revamping my YouTube and getting people um, something
0: to watch. Well, you have a gift. You Thank have a you. beautiful way of telling stories that. It's it's what I love about it is how much you stand above and how easy technology's made it. Like I can even do a reel and add music to it now, mm-hmm. dude. And I'm a dinosaur, right? <laughs> like and make it look kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And even I look at that with you as like you have twenty billion people that are competition, kind of in mm-hmm. that they anybody yeah can can do this now with the technology. Yeah, but your gift is so prolific that you stand so far above anybody else Mm -hmm. that's doing what you do because you it's a gift. God gave you this gift to the way you um, it's art to you, Mm -hmm. right? Like you see things that nobody, very few people see and the Mm -hmm. way you shoot things and the way you put things together tells such a impactful and beautiful story. And I'm just really proud of you for leaning into that and saying yes to all these things and to get to meet your beautiful family mm-hmm. this morning. Just my heart is mm-hmm. still full and <laughs> overflowing. And I I just love you. And I'm so grateful that you're a part of my life in the little chunks that it gets to be. But I'm really proud of you, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Anything else anybody needs to know about what you got going on? Just stay tuned or...
1: um. Man, just uh, yeah, just watch out for uh, some of the things that we're gonna be doing uh, with riding high. I guess Uh, that's what's been on my heart lately, and I'm locking arms with them more. And uh, we're gonna start doing some cool bull ridings um, in Stevenville with my buddy JB. And uh, yeah, we didn't
0: even get to talk about that. Like you're you and JB um, are really good buddies, right? JB Moon. Yeah,
1: he's a We've gotten to be really close the last three years. I've known him forever, but um, I'm with him just about every day. Oh, really? And you guys it, live close to each other? Yeah, he lives um, probably 20 minutes from my house. And so we ride horses, move bulls around, buck bulls, and just have fun. And yeah, it's been fun. He bought me a truck on my birthday, uh, Are you a kidding? 1976 C10. What? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He told Victoria, he's like, <laughs> He's like now. Me and you don't have to listen to Randy talking about how he wants a C ten so
0: bad. <laughs> I'm like, right on. <laughs> Man, that's a pretty good friend. Yeah, what a good uh, dude. I've never met him, but
1: yeah, he's good as gold, and I I love him. Like when he's in his element, like his house, his ranch, um, he's a whole different person. He's really fun. He he jokes around a lot. He's, um, I think um him being in the PBR so long and being around so many fans and the image that they set for him, um. Sometimes he feels like he just has to live that still. Like it's But he, he gets kind of shut down when he's in a public space. And, um, but so I, we get to see the good side of him. There's always a good, everything yeah. is good about him, but um, there's a really good side of yeah, him. Yeah, the because, home life side. Yeah, he's got such a big heart and he loves, he loves people so, so good. And so. Um yeah, me and him got some cool things in the works. Um excited for those.
0: And Riding High is Todd Pierce's ministry that yeah. you guys need to go check out Riding High ministries, I think dot com, right? Uh dot org. Dot yeah. org. Oh, Riding high yeah, ministries dot org. Yeah. yeah, go check out our buddy, our brother Todd. Yeah. He's he's the best. Yeah. Well, again, thank you, man, for yeah, thank taking you. the time to sit down with me and this been a long time in the know, (laughs) but i was not going to do this online this had to be in person so
1: i'm glad you're here i'm glad i was able to come this
0: morning yeah appreciate you all right guys thanks a lot adios for now